It's the most dramatic moment of the story. Are these shadows of the things that will be, or are they shadows of things that may be only? If the courses be departed from, the ends will change. Say it is thus with what you show me. This is the crucial moment for Ebenezer Scrooge. It's the moment of truth. It's the moment when his fate is decided. Can it be changed? If he change his way, what hope does he have? And what hope is there for any of us? Our text in Scripture today, it's a familiar one. And it's one that reveals so much about the hope of our future. It's Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 38. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son. And you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. How can this be? Mary asked the angel since... I am a virgin. The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, so the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be barren is in her sixth month, for nothing is impossible with God. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. Then the angel left her. Now I think the first thing to understand about this story, perhaps, is at the very beginning. God sent the angel Gabriel. God initiates the story. Now, who knew about God's actions? Well, very few. Only Mary and Joseph at first Immediately after the birth of the Christ child, the shepherds get a, a birth announcement, pretty special one at that. The magi, or the wise men, they were informed somehow, they knew about it, but the rest of the world is completely in the dark while God is acting on behalf of the whole world. God acted, is acting, and will act in the future on behalf of the whole world, on our behalf. Some remain in the dark, don't see or know what God has done, what God is doing, or what God's about to do. Nevertheless, God acts, initiates on behalf of all. Now, we may complain about how God acts. We may complain about the timing He chooses to act. We might even complain about the people through whom He chooses to act. But it seems like a better response would be faith, gratitude. 
A proper response might be worship him, serve him as the shepherds and the magi did. In verse 27 of this story, there's the mention of David. David, the greatest king of Israel. That's our first hint that God remembers his promise to David and that the child to be born would have royal blood in his veins. God's promise to David was recorded in 2 Samuel chapter 7. When your days are over and you rest with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you, who will come from your own body, and I will establish his kingdom. He's the one who will build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. Well, the first part of the fulfillment of that prophecy is that David's son, from his own body, Solomon, became the next king of Israel in that day in the ancient world. And Solomon is the the one who built the first literal bricks-and-mortar temple in Jerusalem, a grand temple. But Solomon died. Solomon's kingdom didn't last forever. Jesus, the Messiah, the Christ, he's the fulfillment of that promise that that kingdom would last forever. So both Matthew and Luke give us genealogies confirming that both (coughs) Joseph and Mary were descendants of King David. It also means this birth was a political as well as a theological event. This child was going to shake the political powers of the ancient world to the core. Herod, the local king, would try to kill him. Rome, the world power, would finally get the job done at Calvary. Why do governments continue to persecute the followers of Jesus? And they do. Well, they're threatened. They're threatened by people with a higher loyalty to Christ Jesus than to rulers that be. They're holding on to their power with a death grip. N.T. Wright sums it up like this. He's the British uh, theologian and New Testament scholar. This is both a huge theological claim, Jesus is somehow identified with God in a unique way, and a huge political claim. Jesus is the true ruler of the world in a way which leaves Caesar and the powers of the world today a long way behind. So let's talk about politics for a moment. That's always a fun topic. really brings the best out of people. Have you noticed that? I want to give you some of my perspective. This is a very personal thing. It's, It's just very personal, but I'm going to share it with you. You'll never hear me endorse a political party. You'll never hear me endorse a candidate from this pulpit. Do I vote? Of course. As a citizen, it's our duty to participate in that. And on most political issues... There's room for believers who love God and are trying to serve God to disagree. In this congregation, you are likely to meet people on both sides of the aisle, Democrats, Republicans, Independents. All are welcome here. I don't care about your political 
lives too much. So there's room here. That's why we like to say we try to keep the main thing the main thing. But there's one political issue that's huge. One political issue we must all agree on without equivocation. Our highest loyalty must always be to Christ our King who's above every human ruler, every king, every emperor, every president, every congress. Our ultimate loyalty is to Christ our King. And let's be generous and kind and merciful to those that don't agree with all of our politics. See, the Christmas story is about three kings, not the ones referred to as the Magi or the wise men. But Jesus, who was born to be the true king, Herod, who was the local king who would kill anyone who threatened his petty kingdom, including his own kids, and Caesar Augustus, who ruled the Roman Empire with an iron hand. The kingdom of God outlasted the rule of Herod, outlasted the rule of Caesar, and all kings to follow. His is the only kingdom that is eternal. God doesn't send a ghost. He sends an angel to Mary with news about a future that is for all. Now, what do we know about this angel, this Gabriel? Well, the first thing to understand is the Greek word translated angel, angelos, means simply messenger. It can be used for a divinely sent messenger, which we call an angel, or it can be a human messenger, somebody sent to tell a king something or anybody anything. But a messenger from God is an angel with a specific message to deliver. The message he delivered to Mary was not only for Mary, not only for Mary's tribe, her people, it was meant for all people in all times. And notice in the text all the future tense verbs in the story. They don't come out as clearly in, in the English translations, but they do in the, Greek trans, in, in the Greek text. You will be with child. You will give birth to a son. You will give him the name Jesus. And all of those came true within, well, about nine months, I would say. But it goes on. More future tense verbs. You will be, he will be great. He will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord will give him the throne of his father David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. The Christian hope means peace and joy in the present, regardless of circumstances. And it's also the eager anticipation of what God has in our future. We're not doomsday prophets. It bugs me when Christians come across sometimes as being these doomsday, everything's bleak, and oh my gosh, I don't know what I'm going to do, and, and the world's a terrible place, and I, I'm probably not going to make it, and everything's going to hell, and I'm like, no, that's not right. We're not the doomsday prophets. We know our future, and it is secure in Christ our Lord. Not even death wrecks the hope that we share in Christ. The prayer that... Jesus would later teach his disciple includes this line, this petition. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
Now there is a sort of an already but not yet reality to that kingdom of God. When Jesus comes uh, he, he, and introduces his ministry, he, he says the, the kingdom of God has come. Repent and believe. So there's a sense in which the kingdom is already here. It's already producing fruit in our own lives, in our own hearts. And his kingdom is here in the sense of his church that's supposed to be the body of Christ doing his good, bringing peace, bringing joy, bringing hope, bringing love, bringing the gospel to the world. So the kingdom's already here in a sense, but it's still coming as well. There's a future to it as well. The fullness is anticipated by his followers. You know, in the oldest and best Greek manuscripts of Matthew's gospel, where we find the Lord's Prayer, his prayer ends in those Greek texts with, deliver us from evil. Bury it, done, prayer over. But most New Testament scholars think, I mean, there's some later manuscripts that include that last line. And most think a scribe was so taken with the prayer, perhaps filled by the Spirit, that he added this line, for thine be the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now, while that last line was probably not uttered by Jesus, it fits. And it is a fitting way to close the prayer because it's true. Ebenezer Scrooge was terrified by the future he saw for himself. But we need not fear what the future holds for us. Not because we can do a lot of good works to make up for the bad. and No, but because we put our faith and our trust in Christ the Lord. And His kingdom will never end. And we're included in it. God said to Abraham, I'll make you a great nation. And I'll bless you. And I'll make your name great. And you will be a blessing. And He did. God said to Moses, I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people out of Egypt. And he did. God said to Joshua, Do not fear. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. And he was. God said to Mary, The virgin will give birth. And she did. God says to you, Believe in my beloved son and your sins are forgiven. And they are. God says, I'll be with you always. And he is. God says, He who believes in me will live even though that he dies. And we will. When God says it, you can bank on it. That is the source of the peace and the joy we have at Christmas and throughout the year. The angel said, His kingdom will never end. What does that mean for us? It means that Jesus came. He came to save and He came to rule. He saves us from the rule of sin and evil and Satan in our own hearts. And He saves us into His kingdom. To be saved is to be forgiven, declared righteous by the blood of Christ. And it also means that we declare our loyalty to and submission to Christ, the King of kings. Now most of us here today, I suspect, would say, Well, yes, I understand that. I made that choice long ago. Christ is my King. And then Luke might say to us, that's great, so serve him well. Love him, obey him, proclaim him. Seek his will in your prayers more than trying to convince him to do your will. Don't be ashamed of the gospel. Speak it out, live it. Angels never carry their own message. They carry a message from God. 
we become angels. Not when we die and go to heaven. That's silly. We, you know, we don't turn in, no. But we become angels in the sense that we are messengers. That's, remember, angelos, messenger. In the here and now, in the sense of becoming God's messengers to the world. That's what the church is supposed to be about. Scrooge promises. I will honor Christmas in my heart. I will try to keep it all year. I will live in the past, present, and future. The spirits of all three shall strive within me. I will not shut out the lessons that they teach. Oh, tell me I may sponge away the writing on the stone. And then he woke up in his own bed with a new heart. He was given a second chance to get life right. We might say Scrooge was born again. The ghost of Christmas future gave him a clear picture of the way his present course would end unless the courses be departed from. And so your future depends well, depends on what you do with Jesus. It depends on your current choice, actions. Choose His kingdom. Believe, worship Him, serve Him. Declare your allegiance to His kingdom and live like it. The angel proclaims his kingdom will never end. This is the hope of the gospel. Our hope is to be saved, redeemed, forgiven, transformed, justified, sanctified, that we might be included in the forever kingdom of God. We're baptized for the forgiveness of our sins, and we are baptized into the eternal kingdom of Christ our Lord. His reign is characterized by mercy and grace and truth. And that's what people should... See in us. His reign elevates the humble of heart. It blesses the poor in spirit. Jesus, the Son of Mary, the Son of God, He is our King. And in a world that so often seems ruled by evil, the kingdom of God, well, that's the true resistance. The day's coming when the King will appear in all His glory, and all will be put right once and for all. Until then, we proclaim the King and His kingdom with our works and our deeds. Let's pray. Lord God Almighty and Everlasting Father, we gather before You this morning. We hear Your Word and we remember the hope we have in Christ, not only as our Savior, but as our Lord. I pray, Lord God Almighty, that all of us in this moment, in our hearts, will reaffirm our allegiance to Christ the King above all kings. I pray, Lord God Almighty, that you will show us how to live that out, how to be a blessing in this world. We give you thanks, Lord God, that you initiated the gospel and that we have the hope, not only of everlasting life, but of life that's purposeful and meaningful right now. Fill us, Lord God, with your spirit again, that we might live well for you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, let's stand and sing one more time. Tell you about what happened yesterday. Uh, just take a moment, uh, because I want to thank everyone for your support of Angel Tree. Uh, Angel Tree are the gifts that, that we buy and provide for children who have an incarcerated parent. And we delivered those yesterday, and that's a fun thing to do. We delivered to, I think it was 37 families 
over 70 kids in, in those, those families. And uh, uh, Crystal McKenzie does a great job of getting that all organized. And so a bunch of us uh, showed up here yesterday morning on a Saturday. I'm good early Sunday, but Saturday, 7.30 a.m. Uh, we were here, and we divvied up all the bags. And, and I just want to tell you about one of my deliveries. One of my deliveries is way down in, in, in South Austin. I mean, we take them all over the area. And, and so I, I, I pull up, and they were expecting me because I called, and, and the door opens, and I've got this big blue bag of all these gifts you know, for the kids. And, and I walk into the living room, the, the, the mom uh, greets me, and there's one kid sleeping on the couch. There's one kid sleeping on a mattress on the floor in the living room. And so they're all right there, and there's a Christmas tree there. So I go over to the Christmas tree. I set down that bag, and I begin to take those presents out and read the names of the kids and watch them smile and set them all uh, under the tree. And then I say, can I pray for your family? And they said, yes, you can. And so that we gathered around together, and I said a prayer. I asked God to bless this family this Christmas. And when I opened my eyes, the mom had tears just rolling down her face. It was the most precious moment. It was such a wonderful thing to be the messenger, the angel of hope and peace and a little bit of joy in that moment. So, thank you. Thank you for buying the gifts. Thank you for delivering the gifts. There was a bunch of people here to do that. And if you missed out on deliveries this year, you should show up next year for that. That's really, that's really fun. And I, I encourage it. Now, here's your homework. Christmas Eve is coming. Bring a friend. So it'll, it'll be a fun service at 5.30 and 7 o'clock. Uh, usually the 7 o'clock's a little less crowded. I recommend that one, but whichever. And bring an offering, a special offering. On that day, our, we have a mission offering, and it will go to Buckner Border Ministries. And that's down the border. And then we're going to make three trips next year down to Panitas, Texas, right on the border. And we will get to build a house for a, for a family. It's a delightful uh, opportunity. Uh, this is a family that Buckner has chosen, has been working with. And our goal for Christmas Eve is $26,500. If we can raise that, we'll pay for the entire house. And then we get to go get our hands dirty and build it and meet that family it's a cool thing to do. It's a godly thing to do. Now, that has to be above your regular giving, right? Or it doesn't help as much. So set that aside. Bring a mission offering on Christmas Eve, okay? That's your homework. Here's the blessing. May you respond to the Lord with the faith of Mary who said, I'm the Lord's servant. May it be done to me as you have said. Amen. There'll be some folks to pray up here in the front uh, as the lights come up. Bring lights up, Mark.